Hello, and welcome to the Responsive Family Sleep Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Hawley, holistic sleep coach, lactation consultant, peaceful parenting educator, and mom. If you've ever felt overwhelmed by all the conflicting sleep info, frustrated with sleep information that just plain felt wrong, or searched desperately for a truly gentle and responsive sleep approach, then you are in the right place. In each episode, we'll be answering your most pressing baby and toddler sleep questions, busting those sleep myths, and helping you understand truly developmental, biologically normal baby and toddler sleep plus encouraging you to trust your intuition along the way. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. We are talking about responsiveness today and why responsiveness matters. Why does it matter that we have a responsive, you know, caregiving style for our babies, for our toddlers, both around sleep and just in general around parenting. I feel like a lot of parents start being responsive because it feels right. You know, it just, it just feels instinctive. It feels intuitive and they don't necessarily know a lot of the science behind it or the benefits. And so sometimes it can seem like an extra, right? Like, oh, it's great if we can do it rather than seeing it as fundamentally essential for healthy development. I mean, I was like this as a new parent, right? I hadn't really dug into the science of responsiveness probably until my oldest was a toddler. And so when he was a baby, it was really just, you know, it seemed like common sense, right? Babies are going to wake up, they cry, they need to be fed, they need to be snuggled. Definitely felt right. That's definitely the way I was raised, that's what you do, but I didn't really understand all the things it was doing, if that makes sense. And so when others around me were doing different things and I was the only one really parenting this way, it was like, oh my God, what is going on here? And so when my oldest hit the toddler phase and, you know, his behavior became harder because toddler's job is to push buttons and experiment and understand uh, cause and effects and limits and all that lovely stuff. I felt like I needed more tools. And that's actually what led me down the path of starting to learn about responsiveness, you know, long before I was a sleep coach and really got into some of the neuroscience and, and all of that great stuff. So I think it's really important to understand what responsiveness does. Because we live in a very generally disconnected, not responsive culture. And that is still how a lot of our parenting advice is given. Though it's, you know, the tides are changing and that's amazing. But when we understand what's happening, right, what being responsive does to your baby, to your toddler, not just like in the now, but as far as laying foundations for for their life, right, for for long-term outcomes, it makes a big difference right? It makes a really big difference in the way you see them, the way you interpret things, the way you see your role, the way you show up. And so I think understanding the neuroscience and uh, what's happening is really valuable. So this is about parenting in general, right? This isn't just about sleep, but also sleep is part of parenting. And of course, babies have needs 24-7 and those needs don't disappear at night. And I feel like sleep is one of the first parenting decisions or ways we hear information where we are being 
actively asked to disconnect, right? That's what sleep training is. Not that parents who sleep train are actively always disconnecting from their kiddos, but in that moment, that's what sleep training strategies are, are having you do. I mean, you disconnect in order to change behavior versus using connection to try to shift patterns or to meet your baby's needs. So I feel like these are the first decisions where we're navigating that. Do we, do we lean in and connect? Do we step back and push for separation, you know, or are we showing up in all the messiness, even when it's hard, or are we stepping back and kind of leaving them on their own with some of those big emotions? So sleep support, right, fits in this bigger picture of caregiving. And yet, somehow, even among circles that are very responsive in their caregiving, sometimes we just chunk sleep away, like chunk it as like it's a separate thing, right? Like we we want to respond during the day, but then it's okay to leave a baby to cry at night. And it's not, you know, like I said, babies have needs day and night, but we do see a lot of that messaging, um, even from professionals who are going to advocate for responsive daytime caregiving. And that's just, it's like cognitive dissonance. It's like, what, why, why do these not line up? And I think it just speaks to how powerful pushing early independence is in our sleep narratives. So responsiveness matters in caregiving, responsiveness matters in sleep, and let's dig into that a bit more. So first, what does it even mean to be responsive, right? Responsiveness is based on attunement. And attunement is the ability to identify and see communication and cues and needs to interpret that communication and then to promptly and warmly meet those needs. And when we're talking about a baby or really any other relationship, those are physical needs as well as emotional needs. And so it really is based on the relationship and showing up in that relationship and seeing the other person and caring for them and meeting meeting their needs. And I mean, we have attuned relationships all over the place, or we should. And when we're thinking about babies, we want to remember that that is, that is a caregiving relationship. It is something we need attunement for. So responsive parenting and responsive caregiving, this warm, loving, responsive, sensitive, (laughs) responsive caregiving supports a secure attachment relationship. And we have decades and decades of research on attachment theory and attachment relationships. I'm not talking about attachment parenting here. I'm actually talking about attachment theory. And we know that secure attachment relationships promote optimal well-being and optimal development. So most of the things that we want long-term for our kiddos, right? We want them to be independent as adults. We want them to be resilient. We want them to be happy. We want them to have healthy, fulfilled relationships. This all actually comes from a foundation of secure attachment. And so when we're talking about littles, right? Our babies and our toddlers, to be attuned to them, to meet their attachment needs, that requires understanding that they are meant to be dependent on us, right? And that dependence in the early years creates that lovely, secure foundation for independence to grow in a developmentally appropriate way. And I think that can be hard, right? It can be hard to wrap your brain around if you've never heard it that way. But dependence, meaning, you know, developmentally appropriate dependence 
is the foundation for healthy independence as an adult. So when we're thinking about the early years, this is actually when your attachment style develops. And, you know, it's something that you can change later on with a lot of work, but this is the original uh, time that this is happening. And so this warm, responsive caregiving is really, really important to have that secure attachment relationship, right? That relationship between you and your baby, that emotional connection, that foundation is laying in, in the baby and toddler years and, you know, growing from there with you. And when we're thinking about attachment, it's really important that we remember that we have to think about how the baby or the toddler is receiving our caregiving. So it's less about our intentions and more about the impact, right? Because they need to feel that we are showing up and meeting their needs for us to be meeting their needs. Now, in the early years, this is also a really sensitive time for brain development. And so in the first three years, this is when your baby's brain is wiring up for for life, right? Again, it can change later on, right? We can affect this later in life, but this is the original foundation. The original wiring of the brain is happening in the first three years. And so a, a newborn is actually born with a very immature nervous system. Uh, their brain is about 25% of the adult volume, and that roughly doubles in the first year and roughly triples or a bit more by the third year. And so this is a lot of brain growth, right? This is really, really rapid brain growth. A million neural connections each second. That's wild, right? A million neural connections each second. So literally from day to day, your baby has a different brain, right? It is it is making new connections and new aware, awareness. And that's, that's part of why babies are so much constantly changing and why they're able to develop so much so quickly. So genetics are really important as we think about development and who our child becomes and how their brain develops, but so is their caregiving. So are relationships. So are their environment and their experiences. And so in this way, we literally shape our baby's brain. We shape the connections that are being made and, you know, the environment that they are in. And so we have a really powerful effect. And when babies are nurtured, when they have nurtured caregiving, when they are responded to, when they have attuned caregivers, then we are shaping their brain in a really positive direction for long-term outcomes. Responsive caregiving also is affecting how their stress system develops. So um, obviously there are genetics here, but the way that we parent affects how genes are expressed. And so we can parent in a way that is responsive and that sets our kiddo up for, you know, optimal resiliency or, you know, for more disconnected, if they're not getting responsive care, then we can set them up for a more hypervigilant stress system that's more reactive and, you know, doesn't have that secure relationship to learn to regulate. It's really wild all the ways that the way we care and the way we show up and nurture affects our little in the moment, but also this longer term foundation for how their mental health is going to be later on in life. And we live in a culture that doesn't support nurture, right? Like we live in a culture that doesn't support parents. It doesn't give us the space that doesn't value being responsive, right? 
that's just still not our narrative, even though we have so much research backing it up. So what is responsive parenting or responsive care teaching your little? Well, it's teaching them that their needs are valuable and valued, right? That they are seen and that we are trying to give them what they need so they can put their energy into growing and developing rather than trying to seek our care and connection. We are creating the blueprint for their future relationships. And so we are showing them they can trust. They can trust in relationships to meet their needs. And that is really important and really, really powerful because we are meant to rely on each other, you know, throughout life. A healthy, independent adult should be able to rely on their close relationships. Like that's, that's what's healthy for us as a species. We're teaching them about the world around them, right? Is it a safe place? Are their needs going to be met? Can they trust people? You know, versus do they always need to be on guard? And we're teaching them that they're worthy and that we love them unconditionally, right? In all those messy, messy, hard moments, as well as in the positive moments. And these, it's really important. You want to know that your parents have your back. You want to know that you can go to them, right? Think about your teenager someday, right? You want them to know they can come to you when they messed up or when they landed in an unsafe situation. And, you know, we're here to talk about babies and toddlers, but like that beginning of that type of relationship comes out of these years. And then, of course, you have to nurture it, right? There's a lot that happens between now and and then, but the foundation starts starts here. And so babies, toddlers, they don't notice, they're not going to remember this, right? They don't remember explicitly the way you care for them, but it's being implicitly wired into their brain and body. And so they will have that. They will carry that forward in their body, this nurturing and responsive care. And obviously you're going to hopefully continue it through the preschool years, through the big kid years. And so they will remember that, but they will fall back on this foundation from these early years. Now I want to pause here and say that you don't need to be perfect, right? I feel like a lot of parents can get perfectionist about this and create a lot of anxiety and feel like, well, I can never be responsive all the time. That's not possible, right? Like, so what's the point? Or, I, you know, I'm somehow hurting my child if I don't respond or if they're crying in the car or they're crying in my arms and I can't get them to stop or, you know, any number of things. I hear a lot from parents like, is this responsive? So first of all, nobody is perfect. No one's even asking for perfection. What we need to do is know it's important because when we know that responsiveness is important, when we know that connection is important and that this is literally the most important thing you do in the early years, understand your kiddo, get to know them, build a strong connection, be responsive. You make different decisions and you value different things. Every single solitary parent, even the most attuned and responsive are going to mess up. Every parent is going to miscues and misinterpret them or simply not be able to show up because of logistical reasons or because you're having a really tough day, right? You're a human. You're not a robot. Just like your baby's not a robot. And so you're going to have bad days. You're going to have days where you're stressed and distracted as expected. 
it would actually be unhealthy for a baby to have a perfect parent because they're never going to be perfect, right? And so just like in other relationships, you want to learn how to navigate mistakes, miscommunication, misattunement, and what they call ruptures a lot of times in the attachment research. And so that's going to happen. That's a given in every single relationship. The key is what do you do next, right? Do we repair? Do we reconnect? Do we, you know, seek to get back into attunement or do we just keep being disconnected, right? And so it's that, it's that reconnection that is, that is so powerful in responsive caregiving and responsive parenting because we know the, the missteps and the, the missed cues are going to happen. Now for babies, I think it's this extra tricky because they they attach to the senses and so so much of their experience of connecting with you is through touch and through being close and so a lot of parents will feel like you know i'm with them i'm with them but i can't actually get them to stop crying like is that being responsive right they're in my arms they're so upset and i can't fix it you know is that the same as cried out is that being responsive and i want to say yes because being responsive is not about making the tears stop. Not always, right? Being responsive is showing up and meeting their need. And so, you know, if they're crying because they're hungry, obviously you feed them and that's going to solve their problem. But if they're crying because they are overwhelmed and overstimulated, you know, yes, you can step into a lower stimulation environment or something like that, but that doesn't mean that they're necessarily done letting off those emotions. And so sometimes the most responsive thing is showing up with our calm, loving presence to be there with them in that big emotion and just offer comfort and holding space and saying, hey, baby, I'm not afraid of your emotions. I'm here. I'm supporting you. And, you know, I've got you. You are safe with me. And that is powerful responsive parenting so you know if there's a need that we can meet and that solves the issue wonderful but sometimes that need is just emotional support and crying is letting off big emotions processing them out of the body and when we show up like that and and offer our calm we're helping them calm right and that's you know where i said babies have immature nervous systems and they really need to borrow our nervous system or share our nervous system to calm down. And that takes us being able to show up in that sort of, you know, calm, regulated state to be like, hey, baby, I'm right here with you in this. So I hope that helps with that. I get that question a lot from parents, especially parents of very fussy babies, you know, highly sensitive babies where they just, they do cry more and they are more easily overwhelmed. And those are the babies that need responsive care the most, right? That need it more than our easygoing babies. They all benefit from it, but they need it the most. So attachment is powerful and it is important. And responsive caregiving, you know, helps set up secure attachments. It helps our babies, you know, feel seen, loved, and known. And it is the most powerful thing that we can do for our littles in the early years. And so I hope this helps you feel more confident in your decision to parent responsibly and to carry that into sleep, right? So that we can help support those healthy, secure, safe feelings around 
sleep as well, because sleep is a really vulnerable time. You know, the only way to feel safe around sleep is to create safety around sleep. And that comes from, from you, right? From that relationship and connection with, with you, their parent. So I hope, I hope this gives you more confidence moving forward and knowing that responsiveness really, really does matter. Thank you for joining me today. I hope this episode left you feeling more informed, confident, and encouraged on your sleep journey. And just a reminder before you go that nothing in this episode is individualized to your specific sleep situation, nor is it to be taken as medical advice. Take what resonates, ignore what doesn't, and check with your healthcare provider about any medical concerns. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll never miss an episode. And take a moment to rate, review, or share an episode you love on social media. All of that helps parents just like you find me, this podcast, and this gentle and responsive sleep information. I'll see you next time.